I'm sure y'all know how much I love fitness, justice, and travel, but I'm also deeply passionate about cheering on successful women. That's why I want to tell you about my amazing and inspiring friend, Jenny Fisher. You might have seen her in fitness magazines or on her own platform, fitfishmom.com. But now Jenny is offering an amazing opportunity to join her salt squad on the magical Greek island of Crete this April. It's six life-changing days of purposeful movement, fueling, mindfulness, and empowering others. It's a fitness and wellness retreat that will leave you feeling renewed in your confidence and ready to share your love with the women around you. Spots are very limited. Click the link in the description or visit travelgems.com slash get-salty-retreat to join the Salt Squad for a trip of a lifetime. That's travelgems.com slash get-salty-retreat. Hello and happy Tuesday. I don't know what this says about our social lives, but we are still celebrating Judge Gurgle's beatdown of Alec Murdoch last Tuesday. It was that good. The order denying Ellick's demand that the federal government immediately seize his assets from the receivership from the victims was published after last week's Cup of Justice. So I was excited to get to talk about it with Eric and Liz. Even though we know it hasn't phased Team Murdoch one bit, it is still very reassuring to see the federal government fight back. Finally. On today's episode, we talk about a bunch of stuff including Ellick's upcoming trial on the Satterfield crimes, crimes he already has admitted to. We also reveal even more evidence that shows just how little Team Murdoch cares about telling the court the truth, just how many lies that they're willing to put on the record to get their way in the moment. Dick and Jim say they don't intend to seek fees from Ellick anymore, but their actions definitely tell us otherwise. Also on the show, we talk about those Murdoch movies because how can we not? They were so bad for very different reasons. Lastly, we talk at the end about my upcoming appearance at the College of Charleston this Thursday and why I'm so nervous about it and I'm trying not to be. So I hope to see all you positive pesky people there in person. Or all premium members will get the link to join remotely and interact with me and the students. And if sit-down talks aren't your thing, join us at Co-op Sullivan's Island this Friday for a little fun and frosé starting at 4 p.m. It will be a happy hour to remember. So let's get into it. Cups up, guys. Cups up. Liz, how you feeling? You had uh, surgery last week. I did. It's the first of two surgeries. The second one will be in another four weeks. But I finally got my one of my hands taken care of. I don't know if you guys can see the... I can. Look at the stitches. Well, so it's not stitches. It's glue. Oh, it's glue. And it's... Yeah, I had laparoscopic surgery. And I'm very young to have this level of carpal tunnel. I've complained about this a lot over the last two years. But apparently it was really bad, which is, you know, not a surprise to me because my hands it, I always joke with people that it feels like I have hot dog fingers. Like I can't feel my fingers. So uh, it's been two years of just like really just having to like make accommodations for myself constantly. And just like it takes me a lot longer to do things than it probably should just because of this. So it's really exciting that I'm getting it fixed. And uh, from what I understand, is it because of the years year, of writing? Years yeah. of typing? Yeah. Is really. And writing. Wow. Yeah. It started when I was at the packet. How about you, Mandy? Do you ever suffer pain? I've not yet, but I'm sure it's coming for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, I'm just glad that you're finally fixing it. And I know, me too. You're in recovery and you, uh, surgeries are scary. So it was super scary. Yeah. They tell you that they're going to give you the Michael Jackson drug. And um, your first thought is like, oh my God, didn't that not work out for him? But turns out, <laughs> <laughs> turns out it was fine. Uh, yeah. I, and I'm really lucky. The doctor I have is, I mean, he's just done thousands of these surgeries. So it was second nature to him. And I'm really lucky 
lucky that I got the laparoscopic and not because I've heard so many stories of people with like stitches up the palm of their hand and I'm definitely not looking for that. So yeah, I'm just, I'm so excited to finally have it taken care of. And, you know, and for my trolls out there, I just want to say too, I like, the last year, I feel like some of these people just make fun of like our mental health or just like, I don't look the best. I haven't looked the best in the last year. Like I've been, this has just been like wearing a backpack on my body for two full years now because it's just such a handicap and like it's depressing when you're starting to get old and things are starting to fall apart and just everything has not been amazing so I'm hoping this is like opening a new chapter for me and like literally because now I can get back to my book and uh, I don't have to like reserve my energy my hand energy for the script all the time but I'm just super excited it's it's going to be a game changer I think that's so exciting yeah be careful when you say getting old. Why? Okay, you're talking to somebody. I'm going to, sw I'll switch ages with you if you want to. Really? I don't know, Eric. You might have a younger body than I do right now. Yeah. <laughs> really, truly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, Mandy, how are you? How was your weekend? Doing good. And yeah, like Liz said, I mean, we have all been, especially like last two years, it's funny, like the toll, the stress takes on your body in different ways. And I used to be like a huge, huge exercise person and I'm getting back into it. I There were so many days where I didn't have any more energy and I didn't want to think about all of the things that just made me feel worse and made me feel even more tired. And then I had to with the book. And so now I'm just kind of dealing with like preparing for it all to be out there and don't let perfect be the enemy of good. Do not let perfect be the enemy of good. Right. It's just going to be something I'm going to have to deal with and something that like writing 200 pages with Carolyn and then checking and we had a fact checker and you can look at these things over and over and over again. And then all of a sudden you see it. <laughs> in a different frame of mind. You're like, oh my God, this needs to be fixed. But so yeah, that's just where I'm at. When I was a young, <laughs> when I was a young lawyer, I did what's known as tombstone work. So when companies are putting out stock offerings, public companies, they have prospectuses and the prospectus goes to the SEC. And I had to read them with like three other lawyers through the night, right before it was going to be sent. And invariably, even three people going through them line by line with a roar, you have two thes next to each other because you just, it's in front of you, but you're reading what you want to read. And, you know, sooner, you know, a partner would come to me and hammer me because, you know, didn't you read it? You know, Eric, and I'm like, yeah, I did. And there were two other people that read it and we missed it. You know, it just happens. Right. Yeah, it sure does. But it's it sucks when the, the, you have a huge audience that is going to there to either, you know, understand that it was just a mistake or in our case, point out every little mistake you make to right. show that you're, you know, the, the worst person in the world, apparently, according to them. So, yeah, it's. You just, exactly. Yeah, I get it, Mandy. I just don't. I mean, I say that because, like, of course, we've already talked. We were five minutes in, and we've already talked about trolls, and it's just it is a battle that I think anyone who risks putting themselves out there and doing the kinds of things that we're doing, it's just a, it's the risk we take, and it's just really hard to swallow. I don't know that there's anyone out there who handles this well. So I don't know. No, there's not. And I think the other thing that I wrote about this on Instagram today, but like the more successful women, especially that I meet, all of them deal with trolls and different like all of them are dealing with online harassment. All of them are dealing with being made fun of. And it's like, you have to make a decision to either know that you're going to get fun made fun of for whatever you do. I'm sure they will make fun of for the flamingo that's behind me or like yeah. whatever. I could, I'm just at the point where I'm like, I could be absolutely perfect and these people would still find something crazy and make fun of me for it. So just, you just got to have to learn to swallow it. Because they're throwing their own. They're throwing their own failures and insecurities right. on you, you know? Right. They, this is how they do it. They project out and you're never going to change them. Right. You're never going to change them. Right. And it's like they're committed to misunderstanding me and us and everybody who is really all everybody. I think what affects me the most is that they will hate anybody within my orbit. And I feel bad for people like pulling people into that much hate and 
but yeah, it's just them projecting. So that's just my little spiel. It fuels me, girl. It fuels me. Yeah. Yeah, you're good at that. I don't know about that. <laughs> I think so, Eric. I think you are. I think I wish I had that ability. I think, you know, what you're saying, Mandy, about like exercise and depression. It's so funny. Like, I feel like whenever you talk about being depressed, people, the first thing that they offer you is like, really, you need to get ex- you need to get exercise. You need to get out there. And it's like, for sure, I understand that. I I get that. But like, I'm not sure that you're understanding what depression can do to people and how how the, like just getting out of bed every day sometimes is just like right. the, the you know the task and i joke all the time about like i can do five things like after thing 5 i'm done like i've i've committed my brain at, to those five things and that's it per day so i don't know it's just eric you, you you're able to like i'm going to tell you guys something are you going to tell us to exercise is that what you're going to so, tell us <laughs> no i'm going to tell you there's there's a lot of things in my life that i could say i'll put off and I shouldn't, you know, whether it's sitting down and writing a thank you note or reading something that I have to read. But I committed a long time ago that I, unless I was sick, I would never talk myself out of an exercise. Right. And depression is sickness. Depression is being sick. I know. I know. I know. It's the one commitment I have made and I, I never miss. Yeah. I never miss. That's awesome. But I miss a lot of other things when I'm upset or, you know, I'm just tired or I'm cranky or whatever. But yeah. I made that promise and I, I don't know. I don't know. But that's what I do. All right. Let's hit it. Yeah, let's hit it. <laughs> All right. Right. We're like, dep- I'm getting more depressed as I we know, talk. Oh I'm like, God, oh. this is a lot of depression right. talk. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I think that like, and I did this a couple of times in the last week. Now that my body's back, um, my surgery really like took it out of me for a month. I really couldn't work out or anything. And that kind of made things worse. But I want to get back to the point in my life when I was in my 20s, I would just literally work out, work anger out and stress out. And it would make me feel like, running would make me feel more powerful and help me make me feel like in control of situations. The endorphins. And uh, yeah, it's just, it's a cycle when you don't, when you're depressed and you don't do it, then it just keeps going. But I'm back at it and I worked out today and I'm proud of that. So let's get into it. All right. So this week, what happened this week, Liz? Tell me. Yeah, let's t- tell me what we got. Well, we've had a lot of things happen this week. The first is that the appeals court did what was expected, and they remanded Jim and Dick's appeal on Alex's behalf regarding the financial crimes, like essentially saying that Judge Newman made an error in allowing in the financial crimes into the murder trial. They have allowed, uh, they've put that on hold, and they're going to wait until the other thing resolves itself. And the other thing is obviously the jury tampering allegations that Alec made. But in addition to that, Judge Gurgle wrote a scathing order denying Jim and Dick's motion, demanding that the federal government seize Alec's assets right away. And I think, I mean, personally, I think Alec should be humiliated after reading this order, but I'm sure that he's not. What were your guys' favorite parts of the order? Because there there were a lot of different things that that Gurgle took the opportunity to write. The footnote, the foot, sometimes footnotes are brutal. It's, you know, it's not the main part of an argument. It can be considered dicta, which is a legal term, which means, you know, it's, it's a little bit extraneous, not on point, but he split Dick and Jim between the eyes and mostly Alex, because I think he was offended when they said that the receiver's John Lay and Peter McCoy, Peter McCoy, who used to be an acting U.S. attorney uh, for South Carolina, were wasting assets, wasting Alex Murdahl's assets that they recovered. Not that Alex just handed over to them. That would be one thing. They went out and hunted the dogs. They sent the dogs out. They hunted. They bagged the birds. They brought them in. And Dick and Jim says, federal government, you got to commandeer whatever they got, because if you don't, they're going to waste them. They're giving them to Tullison. They're also taking fees. And none of that was true. They stopped taking fees at the end of the summer when Judge Hall approved this procedure for victims to make application. But that footnote was so brutal. I almost want to read it if you want me to. Yeah, please do. Please read it. Okay, let me pull it up. All right. He says, there is certainly rich irony in the defendant who engaged in the methodical theft of millions of dollars in client funds and then expended the great majority of those funds for his personal use, 
to accuse two honorable members of the bar serving as state receivers of wasting assets. I mean, bam, slam, dunk. So, Mandy, do you think that Dick and Jim read that and had any like moment of self-reflection? No. <sighs> Mm. I at this point I don't think <laughs> anything besides them getting their law license taken away <laughs> or <laughs> getting put in handcuffs and not saying that they've done any crimes but I'm saying that like I don't think anything in short of those two things would ever make them reconsider what they're doing or their actions or did I go too far I don't think these guys are in that frame of mind. I think they probably thought this was funny. They probably thought, oh, Judge Gurgle, like that old funny gurgle. Like I bet Dick laughed it off and I don't think that they cared. Uh, but it is great. I mean, I hope I hope what it did to them is saying, oh, my God, like maybe we should rearrange our plans because the federal government isn't on our side anymore. I hope that's the case. Eric, what loss number are we up to with Dick and Jim? Like, it feels like it feels like kind of like this. Rem OK, the, the remanding of the, the, the appeal court, the, the appeals court did. In, that's not a win. That's not a win. That's not right. A win. That's but it looked like one because we saw headlines that were saying that now Dick and Jim, uh, the way has been cleared for them to pursue their jury tampering case that this was a big I've seen it being portrayed as a major win for Dick and Jim, but it was expected. The appeals court really didn't have a choice. It has to be expected. It's a serious, significant issue by the allegations that are raised. And the appellate court would not entertain that motion because they're not built to take witness testimony and receive evidence. They are built to handle legal arguments. A lawyer stands in front of a podium and cites case law to support what the legal mistake that was made in the lower court. It was fully expected, given the public nature of this case and the seriousness of those allegations, that they would remand it back to Judge Newman. It's up to Judge Newman to determine what the process is going to be. What what rules of engagement is he going to set? Remember, Harpulian wants the broadest discovery in the world. He said he wants to subpoena the text messages, the phone messages. He wants to depose all the jurors. Judge Newman may not let that. He Remember, these jurors gave six and a half weeks of their life. They want to go on with their life. And Harpulian is going to get inside their, their briefs and, and sniff up in their briefs. That's what he wants to do. No, I don't know if Judge Newman's going to let that happen. Well, I hope that's not the case, but I, I do think that I don't want to portray their the remanding of their appeal to be any sort of victory for them. It's it does not. It's not a win in their corner. To answer your question, they're 0 and 9. Is it 9 now? I, they have, they've lost nine significant motions all along the way in, in a multitude of cases. Do you know those <laughs> off the top of your head? No, I, I, I counted them, but they lost the fees. They lost the gurgles this week. They lost uh, vacating the confession of judge. Judgment. They lost adding the Satterfields to the Nautilus action. There was another ruling in the Nautilus case that they lost. I mean, it's just, it's just, you look, if you go 0 for 9, you get relegated to the triple A or double A baseball. You don't stay in the show. So how long, how many losses are they going to take? Is it, thank you, sir, may I have another from Animal House, you know, where they were smacking the guys in the fraternity? I mean, come on. It's ridiculous. I also like was rem remembering back to when we were listening to the jailhouse phone calls in 2022 and it was either John Marvin or Randy. I can't remember. But one of the brothers was like, are you sure Dick and Jim are doing everything that they can? They're not looking so great right now. Do you remember that? And I wonder if the family is ever going to a... We don't know if they're giving money to Alex anymore or if they're supporting them or him or not, but I, I think that they are. And I just wonder if the family's ever going to get to the point where they say enough is enough, Dick and Jim, like this is a waste of money. This is a waste of time or get new lawyers. I mean, I'm surprised that they haven't because I think after their loss and the murder trial, we were sort of expecting Dick and Jim to quit and basically say, like, I didn't have enough to work with here or just get fired. But obviously, we know who the actual lawyer is for Alec, and that's Alec. So it doesn't really matter who I think stands in. They're always going to do his idea, right? I mean, what lawyer can look at Alec and say, no, we're, that's dumb. We're not doing your 
your plan, right? Like, wouldn't you have to? Right. Truthfully, most most lawyers, when they suffer a loss of the magnitude that Dick and Jim did, and not that they, you know, that Alex didn't deserve to lose, but most want a fresh set of eyes to look at the whole picture to say, is this the right time to appeal? Should I do this? They bring in a very seasoned litigator, whether it's somebody like an Alan Dershowitz, who's an appellate lawyer. And I'm not saying that. There's plenty of people, Mitch Brown in our state for Nelson Mullins is a, a lawyer that only does appeals. Most lawyers would bring that set of fresh set of eyes in to say, look, I'm too far into the bramble here. My eyes are a little cloudy. Am I missing something? Should we do something different? But I think these guys are so full of their own ego right now that they won't do that. And we'll be right back. As y'all know, we're gearing up for our national tour. All the planes, trains, and automobiles can be stressful. But do you know what's going to keep me comfy and confident along the way? You guessed it, Viore. The Viore Winter Collection is chock full of travel gear for any temperature or adventure. I'm planning to strut down Rodeo Drive in my Elevation Trousers. Sophisticated silhouette, ultimate stretch, superior softness. That is my new travel mantra. Viore is an investment in your happiness. For listeners, they are offering 20% off your first purchase. Get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com slash COJ. That's V-U-O-R-I dot com slash COJ. Not only will you receive 20% off your first purchase, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Go to viore.com slash COJ and discover the versatility of Viore clothing. So that is weird that they didn't bring somebody in. Usually you see there's a new name. You've already seen that with Corey. We see that there's people that were brought in for the appeal. Right. And Russell. And right, Russ. right. I was trying to think of like a sports analogy that would, it's, it's like a pitcher doesn't pitch for a full game. Like there's usually a closer in baseball and a guy who comes in because his, his arm is different and works differently. And like... It is crazy, come to think of it, taking a good analogy, taking a step back from it. And it's like, why haven't they at least added people onto their team? Or like in writing, you always need an editor because you could the writer and a reporter could work all day and have that set of eyes and that focus or weeks on a piece. And the other set of eyes will just come in and have a different perspective and be able to see things and be able to make the piece better just because they're a different mindset and a different set of eyes. So uh, it is really weird. And, and it's just like when they made mistakes. That's they lost. <laughs> <laughs> but also, wasn't it weird that they so I thought early on, Dick and Jim made it clear to everyone that they were there for the crimey parts, like they were doing the crimes, not the civil stuff. And then they started to like tread over into the civil stuff. And that was supposed to be, you know, the boat crash was supposed to be handled by gosh, I forgot his name, uh, Dawes, uh, Dawes Cook. And Dawes Cook. Yeah, Dawes Cook. And it felt like Dick and Jim had their their fingers in that as well. But the novel Nautilus case is certainly a civil case, right, Eric? So and all my stuff, right? And all my stuff, all so the Satterfield stuff. Why are they involved in both? Ego. I don't like. This is just so hard for me to understand. I wish I had like a, just a slice of their ego for myself. I would I would savor every bite of that because that must be nice to just think that you are all things to all people in all situations. And that's obviously what they're thinking. But it's not serving Alec. Right. I mean, I don't know what kind of Yelp review he's going to leave for them, but it can't be more than one star, right? Like, I mean, <laughs> it's not going to be good. I mean, he's... Basically, their Yelp review, everything they've done for him has just been a depressing loss for them. And they just come back with even more gusto. So it's I don't know. Well, I think we're going to see the real fireworks. I think Judge Newman is going to give a status conference probably on the remand. And it wouldn't surprise me if Dick and Jim make a motion to recuse Judge Newman. And that is going to be the most interesting motion this winter. Talk 
talk about that. Why? Because they're going, they're not going to want Judge Newman to hear this issue. They're going to say that he's a witness because he may have witnessed Becky speaking to some of the jurors. And based on what Dick said at Corey Fleming's sentencing hearing, that he believes that Judge Newman is prejudiced towards Alex Murdoch based on the statements he made at Alex's double murder sentencing. So I, I think he wants... Dick's going to want a, a fresh judge, a new judge with a fresh set of eyes and without, you know, a blank chalkboard, so to speak, to hear this motion on juror interference. And that would be a big win, by the way. If he gets a new trial, they, they may say, look, we, we're glad to go 0-9 because we just won the biggest motion yet. But do you think that's a fair request, Mandy? Do you think that's a fair request for them to want a different judge? No, and... Uh, just going back real quick, I want to be absolutely clear because I think this was something that also got kind of mucked up this week was a lot of people thought that this was a huge win for Dick and Jim, that the first step. And I saw a lot of like, I was looking through a lot of tweets that were saying like, so are you ready for a new trial? Like they saw the headlines from just them making that minor win and assumed that like the next step is get ready for trial. Like, and I just think a lot of people, including the media, like the media and a lot of headlines, Liz, you sent me a couple headlines that were like huge win for Murdoch, blah, blah, blah. And they just kind of made it into a bigger deal than a, it's just procedure. It's just the way that. It, I would have been upset if they didn't grant the right. motion to, as a lawyer. because, And I think you guys too, it's a serious issue, not saying the truthfulness of it, but the allegation is a very serious issue. And I would have been upset if the court of appeals said, no, we're not going to entertain that motion now from the lower court. Wouldn't you agree with me, Liz? Yeah. I mean, like we were saying earlier, it's, it was, it's, Perfunctory, right? Is that the right word? I can't even know. I don't even know if I'm using the, it correctly, but. And it's more than perfunctory. Expected. Definitely expected. It was expected. Yeah. Yeah. It's expected. No one was shocked. But yeah, it's, it's, I don't know why people don't understand that there's steps and maybe we're not making that clear enough, but it's an evidentiary. First, we have to decide whether there's going to be an evidentiary hearing, right? I mean, Judge Newman has to decide. This is all in front of Judge Newman. And like you said, Eric, I mean, they're going to try to get him off the case. And I think for me, the issue right now is because, like, for me, if I'm representing a client, of course, I'm not going to want the same judge on the case that mm -hmm. that didn't rule in our favor in most ways prior to that. Plus, I think an argument could be made that he was a witness, but I don't know that he was a necessary witness because Jim and Dick were witnesses too. Like they were there for everything that, you know? Like, right. Right. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. So they saw it. They don't need the judge to, I mean, plus the thing that they're talking about is the, is it the witness to the Facebook thing? Like it's literally just Judge Newman and Dick and Jim heard Judge Newman say, I wish that Becky hadn't spoken to the juror before me. That's it. Like that's, I mean, what, what you want the judge kicked off for that one little, yeah, that happened. Okay. You can take, you know, step down like from the stand. That's it. That's all he'll have to offer. Right. I think it's also really telling what Dick and Jim aren't doing right now, which like when they first dropped this Becky bombshell, they kind of acted like, oh, Ooh, we're going to have, or at least I got from them like, ooh, it's going to be bombshell after bombshell. Like we got more affidavits to come. We got more like we're still getting to the bottom of this and blah, blah, blah. Like and the only affidavit in addition that they filed was that ridiculous one. <laughs> about Facebook, about that poor man's Facebook post that had absolutely nothing to do with any of this. He got drunk and started writing on Facebook about his aunt one night or something. And Dick and Jim went to Georgia and made him sign an affidavit. But it's just a load of crap because it has nothing to do with any of this or in it would have definitely never influenced the outcome of the trial. It's just absurd. But I think it's I think it's good for Becky that they haven't been filing more affidavits, right, Eric? Or like... Oh, yeah. It's it's definitely good for Becky. And also, I can make an argument that Jim and Dick are witnesses themselves because they went out and they're interviewing people. And I would like to know how long did they know of this and when did they know it? You know, the questions of Watergate. When did they know it? How did they find out about it? Did they hold it in their hip pocket? All those things could... I could put them on the stand just as easily as they think that Judge Newman's a witness. Yeah. Could that happen? I mean, shouldn't they be stepping down? and allowing new attorneys to take the case. It depends on what Creighton makes makes, makes a motion on that. 
to say that they are witnesses. So he needs to make that argument. Yeah, that they're witnesses as well. That is that seems to be a tactic that was used in um, that, that's being used in the civil conspiracy case against uh, Greg Parker in the Mallory Beach case that uh, they're trying to make Mark into Mark Tinsley into a witness in his own case because they want to pull him off the case. That's their strategy for getting him off. So I just feel like maybe that's something Creighton should look into if he hasn't already. I mean, you know, you guys are much smarter. You guys are much smarter than me. You know, Dick's has to be thinking on a number of fronts here because November 27th is just around the corner, which is a criminal trial in state court in front of Judge Newman, where Creighton is loaded for bear on the Satterfield case. And how do you go try that case? You guys are smarter than me. After your client just pled guilty in federal court a month and a half before on those same charges, how do you contest the charges in state court when he's already admitted to the guilt of this and that guilt's going to come in? I mean, what are they doing on that November 27th? Do you guys have any idea? No. I mean, that's the biggest question, right? I mean, why are you wasting? Why is the state allowing it to be wasted? I mean, I would assume that they would just make a motion. Can you just make a motion to say like, this has already been adjudicated? No. Alex has a right to a trial, even though it would be, you know, a a joke of a trial, a fait accompli. He's got the right to make them go through the steps, spend more money on the state of South Carolina, you know, piss off a lot more people, make jurors miss work. Mandy, in between Thanksgiving and Christmas holidays, when everybody's trying to get their end of the year work done, start the shopping season, make the cookies, you know, think about your vacation. Dick and Jim and Alex may make 12 jurors sit there to have to listen to testimony where he's already pled guilty to it. I don't understand how a judge can't say you've already pled guilty to this in a different court. Are they even allowed to bring that up? Like, does the jury get to hear that at all? They are. They are. They will. They will. Yeah. They will. It's a crime of moral turpitude what he pled guilty to, so it does come in. But what's the defense? That's what I don't understand what the defense is. How do you have a defense? It's sick. It's sickening, like, isn't what's it? What's your defense? And shouldn't they be filing uh, to try to delay it by now? Because they want to delay that trial, right? Right. Well, yeah, Dick's going to cut his foot. Well, well, Dick's <laughs> going to, <laughs> well, that's if Judge Newman won't recuse himself. Dick's going to make the motion to recuse Judge Newman. Or he's going to say, because of the Israeli war or something, I got to go fight, you know, over in Europe. Something's going to happen. And then if that all fails, he'll cut his foot off. Israel's going to be like, no, thank you. We're good. <laughs> We're no. We don't, <laughs> we don't want that. Yeah. Stay at home. I mean, what's your thought, Mandy? I mean, is what is the defense, Mandy? Tell me. There is no defense. There is no defense. Let's ask this question. What is the risk, Liz and Mandy, if Alex does plead guilty to these crimes on a state court level? Does he start to get to the point where it's three felony counts and you get LWAP? This is the second one. He's been found guilty on, you know, the double murder. Is he getting close to the LWAP? Is that why he won't do it? What what would be the reason why? Does it have something to do with where is he going to continue to serve his time because they think he's going to get off the murder case? You know, when is it all on where he's going to serve his time? Is that what's happening right now? Well, I guess one of the questions we should be asking is whether this recent loss with Judge Gurgle and telling them that they will not, the federal government will not be seizing their assets. It's hard for us to calculate how big of a loss that was to Dick and Jim because they fought that pretty hard. So was that always the goal? Was that the thing? Like, we want our money and this is a strategy for us to be able to get at that money because that then that allows me to answer to that, allows me to understand the answer to what you just asked. Because is it about obviously like Alex spending time in federal prison as opposed to state prison? Like, obviously, we think that's the case, but there just felt like there was something more there, like it was about something else. I think it's um, he wants to reward his friends and punish his enemies and his enemies are the victims. Alex does not care about the victims that he stole money from. He wants that money to go to PMPED and to Palmetto State Bank and to Dick and Jim and himself. All the other victims, the Plylers, the Badgers, the Pickneys, the Satterfields and everybody else, Alex doesn't give two hoots about, okay? 
No, he doesn't care. So one thing I want to point out, Dick and Jim had a reply to the government's response to their emotion, right? This was a 17 page reply. It, they asked for extra space. They needed more, more pages to write more words about this. This is when we talked about this when they brought up Herman Melville. But one of the claims that they made was that they were not going to be seeking fees from their client. Now, we pointed out that they didn't say that as directly as they could. They said, we have said in public that we will not be seeking fees from our client in this case, which basically is true. Yeah, they did say that in public. Like we all looked at that and we're like, of course, they're going to seek fees. This is such a lie. Well, sure enough, on October 19th, Jim Griffin. Now, this is the thing. Dick and Jim wanted to take another $160,000 from the 401k money that the receivership has. So they have about $400,000 left of that 401k money. So they wanted to take $160,000. The judge said, no, you already made your deal. Like, absolutely not. And they're appealing that decision, right, Eric? Right. That $160,000, Liz, was for the appeal from the murder case. Right. Right. And so they're appealing the judge. So Judge Hall said no. Dick and Jim said, we want the appeals court to undo what you said because we want them to say yes. Then they went to the federal court and they said, we're not going to ask for, we're not taking money. We would represent him pro bono. That's what they were saying in public, right? We would do this pro bono. So then how is it the day after it was like basically right after Judge Gargle says no to them about seizing the assets, they get, then go to the appeals court and ask for an extension in their filing regarding this appeal. So essentially, they're saying they told the federal court, we're not we're not going to take this money. We're we're good guys. This isn't about us. Uh. And then now they are not just like because Emily Limehouse in her reply was like, oh, we weren't aware that you guys uh, had withdrawn your appeal. Uh, regarding Judge Hall's decision. that I guess we didn't see that. Well, not only did they not withdraw it, they're doubling down. They're, they're asking for more time to file more things for it. So what's that all about? It's talking out of both sides of your mouth, which they've been doing for the better part of two years. Yeah. I mean, I right. They've done this over and over again. And again, I have to say this. they The media does not call them out on it. And the media does not do anything to hold them accountable for that. And I think that that's a huge problem with this. And I would imagine Dick Harputlian didn't start doing this with this case. Like, I feel like he's been talking out of both sides of his mouth for a very long time. And everyone was just afraid to call him out on it. And now it's just so obvious. And I still think he doesn't think that people will call him out on it. So is this all of this is about fees, right? I can tell you, though. Can we agree on that? We have fees and, and, not, and not losing. I can tell you this, Mandy, that I can't recall of a case that Dick has been involved in where he's had more losses. Yeah. Serial losses like this. And I think it's wearing on him, honestly. Oh, so remember when... Alex got charged in federal court in like May, was that May? It like kind of came out of nowhere. And and then they kind of did, they kind of talked about from both sides of their mouth for a while of like, oh, he's gonna plead guilty. And it took him a really long time to plead guilty to those charges. And that was more like waste of time. And then they- Well, they went in saying they were gonna plead guilty and then he pleaded not guilty. And right. then they didn't. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> And then they finally had a change of plea hearing a couple months ago. And remember, like, I I went to it in Charleston because Liz and I were like, we have to figure out what their game here is. Like, they have to be doing this for a reason. And Phil Barber made a big deal in that hearing about the assets, about hurrying up the assets. And I remember texting Liz and I was like, I think something's going on with these assets. I think that this is the whole point of all of this. And because there has to be a reason why he has not pled guilty to anything. He's never taken a shred of accountability for any of the things that he's done. And they are just trying to make a game out of the federal court and try to make that an easy route. And I think finally, and that's a huge deal, the feds are saying, no, we're done being used. And I think Judge Gurgle's going to load him up pretty hard come sentencing time. But doesn't he want that? I know. He does want that. Right. If he can get out of state court somehow. But how's it going to happen when the Satterfield case is November 27th? Dick is going to cut his foot off. That's how it's going to happen. 
If Judge Gurgle really wants to wow people, he should give Alec one year for I was all. just going to say that. Oh, my God. I just had the same thought. Yeah. Sorry. Like, just one year. <laughs> just, <laughs> that would be... Yeah. You can come here for a year, buddy. Little buddy. Get a taste of the good life. <laughs> Federal <Right>? prison. <laughs> Get your charcuterie. I almost wouldn't do it. Oh I wouldn't God, do it. Yeah, I, wouldn't do I it. think that that would be the best thing because the more year, I mean, loading him up in federal prison does nobody any favors except for Team Murdoch. So one whopping year would be pretty awesome. But on that note, I think we have to take a commercial break. So we will be right back. So this financial trial coming up, how long do we think it's going to be? Alex? I would think it's a solid, a solid yeah. week. Um, I mean, look at the- How can it be a week, Eric? Well, it takes a how? day to pick a jury and then there's always motions in limine, limiting what can come in and there'll be an argument over how much of his plea of guilt comes in. But look at the witnesses you have. You have Tony, you have Brian, you have Corey. Alex, is Alex going to testify? Yes, Alex is going to say, you know, the dogs didn't cause the fall. I made it up. You got the EMS person. You have, there was also a worker, I forget his name, on the property who was working, who came up on it. So, you know, it, it could take, you know, four to five days. You're talking about your case. You're talking about the Satterfield case. Yeah, yeah, right. Okay. That's just one. Yeah. Right. Yes, because they want to try each one separately so they can get the LWAP, the life without parole, three convictions. They're not consolidating Badger, Pickney, Plyler, Thomas Moore. All those are going to be separate trials. That's See, Dick would want them to all be consolidated and tried once. You heard Creighton say, no, no, no. I like that. We're only going to try the Satterfield case. Then we're going to go on to the next one. I love it. I love it. I kind of do, too, because that'll be like, that's a lot of trials in a lot of cases. Well, we got to get three convictions on state court charges separate and apart from the murder. If we get three of these financial crime charges, who cares whether that murder case gets reversed or not? Because then he's got life without parole on those three convictions. They're all felonies. They got to be three felonies. So you're saying that on November 27th, it's going to be the Satterfields are up first, that those crimes. And the strategy from the state is that they need to get these three convictions of Alex for at least three of the victims. I mean, there's I think what are we like there's six victims maybe that that we know about publicly or more. Don't forget, you got the Labor Day shooting case. Whoa, 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 whoa. Oh, you can get that can count toward it, too. You got the yeah, you got a felonies there. <laughs> the insurance fraud. Fake shooting. Oh my god! I, I just. What is Dick doing? What is what's the strategy again? I'm I'm on a loss. I'm really confused. You guys are smarter than me. Tell me what it is. Well, it's just it just just seems like such a waste of everyone's time because he's you know Dick has already admitted for on behalf of Alec that he's done these things on TV. You remember that on TV. So how many more times in public or in other ways can he admit doing these things? Like he admitted it in the murder trial, and yet we still have to go through the motions of him. Because the state has the burden of proof. Alex does not. The state has to prove guilt beyond a reasonable doubt. And unless the defendant is going to plead guilty, he has a right to make the state go through the motions. Guys, we're spending a fortune of our tax dollars. Alex is grinning. He's smiling in his cell, making the state waste money on him. Man up, buddy. Man up, accept responsibility. You said under oath in those in the murder case that you stole all these people's money. Man up. And as our courts are so backed up, that's the thing that really makes me mad. This is re this is sucking up so many resources of the state that have got to start going to other cases. And again, this is I was thinking about this the other day. I think of everything that Dick and Jim have done. Well, the way that they've treated victims over and over again and just been horrible to them, that makes me really mad. But the other thing that just makes me so angry and people don't understand, they just think I hate Dick and Jim just to hate Dick and Jim, but it's the amount of resources. As a taxpayer in South Carolina, I am furious when I stop to think about 
in this is even before the financial crisis. I mean, the back and forth and all the civil cases and all of the nonsense that these guys have just wasted. I don't understand how it's not unethical for a lawyer to do this. And I... I understand fighting for your client, but this is something where like the logical mind cannot find a reason or <laughs> or way like there's no defense to these crimes. These already admitted to them. So what are we doing here? And uh, it makes me so mad. He's the roadrunner right now, guys. He's like literally like. And who's Wiley Coyote? Well, I mean, the state is Wiley Coyote. The roadrunner right. is basically just waving. So he's just like, I did this stuff but not guilty. Like he's making, it's, it's a joke. It's like, I don't, have you ever seen anything like that before, Eric? I, I cannot name. I have never seen anything. A no. single defendant who has said, I did this, I'm guilty, but not guilty. Usually you see it in drug cases where somebody's already serving a life sentence for like murder and then they get this new drug conspiracy charge case or whatever and they won't plead guilty. They make the government go forward and try the case just so they can get out of jail, prison to go spend a week and a half. Okay. That's what this almost is. It's like a fart in a windstorm. It's nothing. It means nothing. Right. It's just wrong. Right. And the other day I saw that uh, South Carolina has one of the worst crime rates per capita right now in the United States. And really, does that surprise you? Crime or, is that uh, because of Alec? <laughs> does that surprise anybody, though? Not just because of Alec. It's the land of no consequences. And like we just keep backing up the courts and we keep like we keep letting violent criminals out again and again. And when we put them in prison, we our lawmakers pull them out of prison. Like it's all. <laughs> absurd here <laughs> and we're not doing anything to stop it and it's like of course crime's gonna keep getting better look at look at the things that we've learned about our justice system in the last couple of years look at all the shenanigans that have gone on and all the taxpayer money being wasted at not fighting crime and not actually putting a stop to this our justice system isn't doing anything to stop that you guys saw that where Governor Henry McMaster is now making it a rule that if you are a solicitor who's going to make a motion to shorten the length of somebody's prison sentence at the request of, I suppose, a defense attorney slash maybe if that defense attorney is a legislator or lawyer, I don't know. Uh, you're going to have to give 10 days notice to the attorney general's office and the attorney general's office is going to have to review the application for, and I say application, it's not like an application, but the motion and the evidence that backs up whether or not because we looked at um We've talked about this a couple of times on True Sunlight, but there was a prisoner who was released 12 years earlier from his sentence. He had kidnapped two women in Aiken County and he had shot this guy several times and then he had assaulted a couple of deputies and he had been sentenced to 30 years in prison. He got out just uh, shy of 18, I believe, and that was because of Todd Rutherford and because of a solicitor named David Miller, who we know to be involved with them, the Bowen Turner case and Bowen Turner's uh, juicy little deal that he was able to get. What you look at that, that that case that I just mentioned, the Romero Lopez case, and there was no evidence attached to this that showed that this man like had actually done something like offered substantial assistance, right? But worse than that, and I don't know if you noticed this, Mandy, the solicitor said, David Miller said, I've not seen the evidence to support the claim that he's provided substantial assistance, but here's my motion anyway. And I recommend and the court look into this. So he didn't even do a review of what it was this guy supposedly had done that was so amazing that they should lop off, to, you know, almost a half of his sentence. So this is a good thing that we're going to have the attorney general. I mean, it creates more work and it's more bureaucracy, of course, but obviously there needs to be an adult in the room because the solicitors are not doing their jobs. Well, good job for Governor McMaster for that. Yeah, I'll say that. That's a practical rule. Yeah. Surprising. Surprising, actually. Yeah, I agree. He's yeah, he did something in adding. And but it's sad that you have to add more people in a process that should have been pretty airtight to begin with. Like a solicitor should never have any incentive to want to get these want to get people out of prison before they before their sentences are up. And that's what's just so weird to me. And again, that's why we should not be 
having lawmakers like Todd Rutherford in the decision-making process for judges because David Miller is trying to be a judge right now. Why else would David Miller agree to that deal unless he was trying wanting to schmooze over Todd Rutherford, who is on the committee to decide who becomes a judge and who doesn't? Right. But I mean, you guys get that, right? Like, I mean, it blows my mind just thinking about it. Like he, David Miller did not appear to know why this guy, what substantial assistance this man provided and yet was advocating for his early release. And I'm all for a system that rewards people who provide substantial assistance in prison. I think that that is was smart of the legislature to to come up with that provision of the law. I think that that's necessary, but it's sad to right. me that we are now how many deep in knowing about these guys who are getting these shortened sentences. And we cannot, I cannot name a single thing that these guys did that was so amazing to warrant the amount of time that they got lopped off. So shame on David Miller and shame on Todd Rutherford and, and all of that. But I am, you're right. Um, uh, Two thumbs up to Henry McMaster. I've never said that before in my life, but two thumbs up to him. Yeah. Yeah. Good job. Me too. Yeah, he did something. But on that note... What do we have this week? It's a very big week. Uh, and I just realized this about two hours ago, but this is my, my first ever speaking event where like people are coming to actually see me and I mean, the guy interviewing me and but it's that freaks me out. So that is at the College of Charleston, 4 p.m. October 26th. And that's Thursday when True Sunlight comes out. And we have the link for y'all to register for that in the description. And I'm terrified and excited about it at the same time. I think you do, that's- you did, you will do fine because I interviewed you Thursday night and you absolutely hit the home run out of the park. Just put up two ferns on the stage. You'll be in between the ferns. You'll feel comfortable and that'll be great. You're going to do great, Mandy. Yeah. I would love to put in two ferns. That's awesome that they're going to be in. Interviewing you, and you don't just have to like do free form like speech, you know, like talking to people. Yes. It's, yeah, uh, that's awesome. I have to like talk at the beginning. Yeah, I'm excited. It's just one of those like, is anybody going to show up? And if they don't, will I be okay with that? If too many people show up, will that be scary too? I don't know. I'm just, yeah. Uh, but I think it'll be really good to like get momentum for you're going to do great people coming out. And then on Friday, I'm equally excited about this event, and it's actually going to be, I'm going to be chill for this. <laughs> We're doing a meet and greet at the co-op in Sullivan's Island, which is one of my favorite places in Charleston. They make excellent frosé, and I'll be signing Don't Be Like Alec Murdoch koozies for everybody, so... <laughs> <laughs> they made those koozies a long time ago and got kind of crap for that. And so we bonded over that and we're going to do a fun event this weekend. You so do, really you're going to do great. And we're proud of you. And on that note, we're proud of you. Thank you. Cups down. Great show. All right, guys. Well, good luck, Mandy. Cups down. Cups down. This Cup of Justice episode is created and hosted by me, Mandy Matney, with co-host Liz Farrell, our executive editor, and Eric Bland, attorney at law, a.k.a. the Jackhammer of Justice. From Luna Shark Productions. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.